online. Morning. In here, morning. You and I have been watching something. I'm going to remind you of it. It was before Christmas, and what, this is what we saw. We saw Claire Stockstad, a middle school teenager. And what she did is she got fired up about getting backpacks for the homeless people that we serve uh, lots of times, but certainly on Saturday morning, a big meal and all that. So Claire organized and had dozens and dozens, I don't know, 160, 200 backpacks, and we passed them out. And I was there one of the Saturday mornings and watched her do it. A teenager, a kid in high school, she was awesome. Well, guess what? Another teenager, I probably getting inspired a little bit by, by uh, Claire, she's gone and decided she wants to do something like that too. And I'm using her name. She does not know I'm talking about her. Liza Greer. I mean, Liza White. Liza White, teenager, middle school age teenager. She's decided that in addition to the backpacks, these folks that we care about that are on the street that are hungry and homeless, that they need other things like toiletries and underwear and socks. And so she's organizing right now, and they're having a party with a purpose. Our middle school teenagers are having a party with a purpose, and they're going to gather that stuff together to party with the purpose. That's happening right now. And here's what I observe about those two young women. Uh, three things I, I notice about them. The, it, it's stuff that both of them seem to be good at is the first thing. Both of them seem to be willing to use whatever they have as organizational skill, right? Yeah, you see that. And you see t a second skill or ability or talent they have is leadership. They're stepping out and getting something done. And the third thing is compassion. So what are they good at? Both of them appear to be good at those three things. But there's a second question I want you to observe about them. The question is passion, enthusiasm. They're good at some stuff, and they're fired up, huh? And I'm beginning to want you to ask the same question. What am I good at, and what am I fired up about? There's a third really important piece to what's happening with these two as they show us how to go out there and get something done, and that's this. It's opportunity. It's the sense of, well, I'm, I'm good at some stuff, and I'm fired up about the stuff, and also there's a chance for me to go out there and do something about it. And so the opportunity for them, does the world need what, what they have to offer? Does the city need it? Does that intersection under the interstate where we're handing out food and clothing, do those people need it? And the answer is yes. Check in the boxes. There they go. That's just example A. I have a second example for you. This one will remain anonymous. This is a person who's really good at selling stuff really good at it and loves being good at it and is good at it and sold stuff and sells stuff and likes selling stuff. And secondly, this person, as this person describes himself, it's a man, was, is good at getting really talented, great people to come and join his team. In fact, so good at it that a couple of the people that joined his team kind of got so good that they became his boss. <laughs> and so, again, asking the question, what are the three elements Am I good at it? And the answer is really good at selling and really good at attracting talented people, right? Is the person too passionate, fired up? Absolutely. You meet a salesman, they're fired up or they don't make it. Saleswoman, salesman, either they're fired up about it or they don't make any money and they got to find something else. Third thing, opportunity. So I would describe the opportunity there is people who are flourishing in a positive team environment that this leader was able to create. So there are the three elements again. You have a person, is the person capable of doing some things, talents, abilities? Secondly, are we fired up about it? And third, is there an opportunity for me to use it? And certainly in our workplaces, certainly in the teams that you're on, 
we want them to be teams where people's gifts and skills are drawn out and where there's a positive sense of what we're doing and that we're contributing to the flourishing of the people on the team and the families, whatever it is that we're selling. And most of what we're out there trying to sell, people want and need. That's, that's example number two. I got a third one. This is a woman. And this woman went to school undergrad and then got an advanced degree to be able to be prepared for the profession that she chose and then entered a large corporation that does what this profession trained her to do. And she rose to the top and became a senior manager and then decided, I don't want to do that anymore. And so this person also had children. So here's the thing. This person's really talented with all of that stuff, has children. But here's what I'm watching this person do with the children. Out of her way, along with her husband, to make sure that their home is a home that's encouraging and nurturing what it means to be a Jesus follower. So the home is on purpose and intentionally the center of faith growing. And it's about music at home. It's about Bible at home. It's about the kind of what we do when our friends are together because there's some on-purpose stuff, meeting like in life groups. All of that's happening, and this person is making sure that, that happens for the kids. That's one kind of set of skills. It's all this high-talented professional stuff, but then doing, doing this thing with kids at the home. Secondly, though, this person is really good at what I will call neighboring. And what that means is going out of her way to make sure that friends feel neighbored by her. And many of the friends that she has are not involved in any way that one can tell in a, a meaningful relationship with Jesus or involved in the, in the family of faith, like First Pres. And so she, on purpose, building relationships with that kind of intentionality out of it, really a fine set of talent, ability, whatever. And the third thing is using this person uses, and at least two that I know of not-for-profit, using all that professional training that's no longer getting a paycheck, but using it for two different not-for-profits. And believe me, not-for-profits like churches need the professional help of all of you who have all these skills to give. And this person is doing it. So again, using my three-part thing, is the person talented? Yes, talent all over the place. Is the person fired up off the charts? And is there opportunity, certainly in the neighborhood, in the family, and in the, and in the not-for-profits? Lots of ways that those three things line up. And so the question that I want you to ask yourself is, what am I good at? Many of you would say, I don't really feel like I'm good at anything. Wrong. You are. But you're hesitant. It's, it's not modesty to be good at something and say you're not. That's false modesty. Have a sober assessment of yourself. You're good at stuff. What are you good at? Secondly, are you fired up about it? Are you enthusiastic? Do you have some juice? Do you want to go do it? And the third question we want to ask is, where is it needed? What do I have to offer? And I have stuff to offer. Am I fired up about offering? Yes. Where is it needed in our world, in our city, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our work environments and teams? Where is it needed? And my guess is you are a person who can answer all those questions, work on all those questions, and you're going to come up with a place or places where what you're good at and what you're fired up about doing, there's an opportunity for you to go and be that person, that man or that woman there in that environment. You can be a teenager and do it even. By the way, teenagers are not the church of the future. Don't, don't ever say that. That's not it. It's right now. We love teenagers, and it's right now they're making it happen. 
You with me? That's really important that we understand that because in this church family, we care about teenagers, and they are right now, not later. So we've been talking about rhythms of renewal. And so McLean warmed you up really well with that. And today I'm going to say, I wasn't planning to say it the way she did, but God has really turned the thing around like they do on The Voice, which I've never seen and I'm never going to see. God did pick you. It's amazing that she knew, I think, what the text was I was going to do. Rhythms of renewal. Let's just remind ourselves of what we mean by that. A rhythm is an intentionality, a cadence, and it's usually daily. Now, all these three really important questions I ask, I mean, you can't really do those daily, but you got to do them regularly. But daily, like daily, you are making a decision on purpose to put rhythm into your life, such as resting. And we've defined resting as being alone, privately in your life and connecting with Jesus in an individual and private way. So rhythms, intentional daily. And then we said renewal. And what that is, is to repair something that's broken or broken down or worn out. And many of us just stop and, well, yeah, yeah, there's stuff inside of me. There's stuff in my life. Uh, uh, it may be a health-related issue, just whatever, spiritual stuff about your relationship with God. It may be a relational thing where you're estranged. We all have places in our lives where we would love to see things that are kind of broken up a little bit, maybe beat up, maybe worn out, re renewed. And we've called those two rest and, rest and restore. We've called those input rhythms, God. I need you. Put yourself in me. Help me get better. Fill me up. Make me the person you want me to be. And then we go to restore, and restore is a little bit more about our mind and our body, and so we want to maybe think about the life, life a little bit differently. We challenge some of our perspectives, and we, th we have our minds become alive. Maybe you're reading some stuff that really has you going, and, just, and, and so you want to have your world understood by the way you understand God's word and that's a renewal of the mind so we restore that way maybe like me I'm still bragging on January 3rd I cut sugar out <laughs> so the fat boy contest that I invited all you men to go to you're still welcome to come because I, I don't I don't the scale that I was using moved me around five different pounds every day so I got to find a new scale <laughs> so I don't know where I am but all I know is the craving went away you know three weeks and it's gone I, I don't have it, mostly. <laughs> There's some chocolate malted milk balls in the freezer. Oh, and when you bite into them, it's the thick chocolate and it breaks away. Ooh, it's good. And then there's a little crunch underneath it. Oh, it's. <laughs> so then we, we went to output rhythms. And Kathy talked about connecting last week. And what she meant by connecting was real relationships with people. We are on purpose connecting in relationships where we're, the purpose of being together is to go deep and love each other and get to know each other well. And we, there's a million ways you can do that. At First Pres, we're constantly talking about people being in life groups, constantly. Why? Because we can connect there. And when we connect in a real way, then God can transform us in a real way. And so that's why we keep talking about real relationship, real transformation, because one of the ways that God really works is using these groups that are on purpose trying to build great relationships and help people feel safe so they can explore their life, their faith, and each other and have this fantastic thing that you do. And I've, I've been in a group with people since I was 18 years old without any break other than moving across the country. 
So I just wouldn't be me if I wasn't around people and doing life together with them. Just, it just wouldn't be me. Well, now today, all of that is warming us up for today. And I got you going thinking about what am I good at? What am I fired up about? And what's the opportunity? We're talking about create. What do I have to offer the world? That's what we're trying to ask. Remember, the subtitle is trading in stress, anxiety, and instead getting back peace and purpose. Now, here's what I want you to know. Today is really great. Today is cool because today is sort of the capstone, the upshot of all four weeks. If I'm resting and if I'm restoring and if I'm connecting, bam, I can go into the world and be creating, give what I have to offer the world, and I will find myself at peace. I will find myself purposed. You can't be creating on behalf of God, giving what you have to offer to the world if you're not resting and restoring and connecting. It won't work. You'll burn out. You'll burn out or you'll become cynical and angry. You get tired. But when we have it all stacked up, the input that we need and then the connection and the output, we connect with people, which is output, and we give what we have to offer to the world, which is output. It don't get no better than that. We may think we know what we want, but here's what I want us to wrestle with. What does God want me to do with it? What does God want me to do with it? Meaning my job, my family, my house, my car, my inner life, my physical body, my friendships, my life group, my service on ministry teams. What does God want me to do with it? Now, Here's where there's a rub that I feel in my life. That's not the first question I ask. And I'm, I'm not being um, self-deprecating. I'm being descriptive. Really, really the first question I ask, whether I know it or not, is what's in it for me? And I'm not, being, uh, cal I'm not, I'm not trying to be superficial there. I'm not trying to say that like it's kind of some flat, easy thing to say. I mean, it's subtle. It's a textured challenge. It's, there's layers of me thinking that life and the world and my education and my job and my family and my golf and my running, all of that is somehow for me. And I'm not a bad person. I'm not saying I'm a bad person. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is we sort of have in our infrastructure, our furniture and how we're wired. We go first to me. And that doesn't mean I don't do good things at all. But here's what I think is the beauty of what we're trying to say. It's really clear that God wants us to use it for God. God wants us to stumble into his will for our life, which is playing a part in his big story of loving people well. And we've said that two or three ways this morning. Our vision and mission in the church here is to love a bunch of people well, people that don't know their love. And what does God want me to do with mine in order to move that needle? That's what we're wrestling with. So we're trying to be a carefully biblical. What does God want me to do with it? Just want you to, I want to make sure you know that this is a biblical question. So we start on page two of the Bible, Genesis chapter two, verse 15. And God's done this amazing thing. God made us. And God made the universe. And look what God says he wants us to do. Watch. God put the man and took him, put him in the Garden of Eden, which is the, which is the reality, right? 
puts us into the Garden of Eden. And look at what it says. Work it. Take care of it. So here what God is saying is, I've given you gifts and talents. I want you to be fired up about it. And here I have this world, and I want you to go and work it. Now, this is an agrarian society that's hearing these words for the first time, these inspired words that come from God. So you and I aren't agrarian. We're a long, long way from that. We have this complex way of earning a living in economies. But what we're saying is this. God takes you and puts you into the world, and he says, take care of it. Work it, which is really to grow it. Help it to flourish. Take what you have to offer, what you're good at, what you're fired up about, and put it into the opportunity that I've created for you, which is my world. So it's in your home, it's in your job, it's in your car, it's, it's everywhere, it's with your friendships, it's in your recreation, it's all of our lives. God is wanting us to say, to ask him, how do you want me to work and care for this? Because God's, God, what God wants is for everyone to know that they're loved, that they're forgiven, that they have a, new, a bright future of living forever in God's presence. That's what God wants from us, to us to be a part of that. And you're fired up about a lot of things. I'm fired up about a lot of things. And I want you to say to yourself, how can I begin to ask the question, what does God want me to do with it? Many of you have asked that question and ask it well. I'm just telling you about me, just being straight up clear. It's, it's not an easy question for me to ask because I don't even know that I'm not asking it. That's the point. And then when I start asking, I go, oh, cool. Look, I really was doing this on behalf of God. And look, and then I feel at peace. I might have, as Kathy said earlier, we might have a lot. We might have a little. It might be going really well. It might be going poorly. But if the riches of God's grace flow through your life, and through mine, when I'm doing what I'm good at and fired up about it and doing what God put me there to do. It's an inventory kind of set of questions, which is a part of what we do when we restore. Back to the second one. We have an inventory. We're running through questions to continue to try to say, God, am I where you want me to be? Fill me. Help me to be the person you want to be, using everything I have with the enthusiasm that you put inside of me to move the needle in the direction that you want it to go. <sighs> what does God want you to do with it? We did the Genesis text. Let's look at another one, and we'll stay on this one also for a couple of minutes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, this great person, the Apostle Paul. Ugh unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable what Paul has to say. Look at what Paul has to say. This is chapter two of this book of Ephesians. Ephesus is in a, was a city in the middle of what is modern day Turkey. But the letter was meant to go to that city and some other ones, sort of a circular. And he's told everybody that God loves them. God rescued them. God redeemed them. All of that through Christ. And that you didn't earn it. You can't earn it. It's a gift. You, your job is to receive the gift and then enjoy the fact that God has taken up residence in you through God the Spirit and you go flying forward. And then he says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us to do in advance. Let's go back and we, we're going to leave that up a second. Handiwork, the Greek word poiema. Sounds like poem. 
God made you. God don't make no junk. Think about a poem. Now, I'm a lousy poet, and I don't read it very well, but think about the care of every syllable. And a poet who is good, and the almighty God of the universe is good at creating. Writing, going, no, wait, that's not quite good. And, and doing all the things that we do. And in English, we have these nice rhymes. And so there you have a poet just laboring over the paper and getting it just the way it should be. Another po Poema could be translated handiwork. It could be translated masterpiece. So when I ask the question for us all, what am I good at? See, you were made by God with talents and abilities and interests and capabilities that God built into you. I was. You were. We all were. And what God wants you to do is use them how? To do the good that he a long time ago figured out he wanted you to do. This is, God is not making this up on the fly. God created you, and he did it in Jesus so that you could do the good. Remember the garden thing? Go out there, Adam, the ha Adam, the man, the humankind. Go into the garden and work it and care for it. Well, here it's Paul's saying the same thing slightly differently and adding the fact that God thought you up long before you existed and had you in mind, you and I, the apple of God's eye. And God made you just the way he made you so that he could get you to do what it is he built you to do. And he thought it all up and you have been launched. You were made for this. We were made for this. Again, what am I good at? Am I fired up about it? And where's the opportunity? And so I really want you to literally start running an inventory. Maybe things are coming through now. Maybe you're going, wow, that's what's happening inside me. This is cool. I didn't know that I got to do this, and it was but God sent me to do it. It really, unless you're, unless you earn a check or don't earn a check, doing something that's perfectly, totally immoral, and I'm looking around, I don't see anybody doing that. <laughs> then your place, if you're earning a living with a check, or some of us do are, are not earning a living, we're at home. Same thing. It's still the same thing. Unless it's completely immoral, then God wants you to say, am I good at it? Yes. Am I fired about it? And how can I push the needle forward by the opportunity that's in front of me? That's what God wants. You were God's masterpiece. And we keep asking the question, I've been set up by God. Here, a couple of things. If we lose focus, if we forget to take care of what we're good at, if we're not paying attention to it, if you don't take time to go, well, how can I get a little bit better at this? Or, or at least even maybe just do an inventory and figure out what I'm good at and then pay attention to it. A couple of things will happen to us. This is what happens to me. If I'm not careful about what I am, I can, and if I forget to say, what does God want me to do with it? I will tend to take people for granted. And you don't want to be a person to take people for granted. You don't want to do that. Now, another thing that will happen to us if we're not really careful to pay attention, what does God want me to do with it? People will try to bushwhack you into using what you're good at for their purpose. If you're a person that has money, 
and you have enough money that you have to get some help to take care of it, if you don't pay attention, they will end up with your money. It's a funny joke. When people with experience meet people with money, the people with money end up with the experience, and the people with experience end up with the money. So you ha that, that's a, that's a, money is an easy one to get to. But if you're really good at stuff and you're not paying careful attention to the question, how does God want me to use it? Not ill will. I don't mean they're necessarily trying to do something bad with it, but they're going to try to get you to use your stuff for stuff that matters to them because they got ahead of you on what am I going to do with it. If you are leading something and you're not paying careful attention to the purpose, to the mission, then people on your team will have their view of what the mission should be, and they're going to try to bushwhack your mission and put their mission in place. Their mission may be great. I'm not saying it's a bad mission, but if it's not your mission, it's not your mission. And God made you for a purpose with skills and abilities, and God wants you to be fired up about them, and God put you into an opportunity zone for you to go and do it, and you, you want to be clear about that, and you want the other people to be clear about it, and then you're going to attract people who want to be a part of what you feel like God wants you to do, and off we go. And then we've just traded in stress and anxiety, and now instead we have peace and purpose. These are not easy things. What are your unique? What is your unique assignment, or what are your unique assignments that God is nudging you into paying attention to? And what we're really doing here is just sort of. God is trying to use this sermon series to direct you more fully into God's will, God's purpose for your life. And the beauty is, is that God uses us, and we get to be a part of his big story. So we have, we have micro stories, which is ours, and the macro story, which is God's, which is to have every person on the planet know that they're loved and known and forgiven and made for a purpose and can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's God's big picture. And we get to play a part of it in our own personal, individual way. And you don't have to be a religious person. You just figure out, what am I good at? Am I fired up about it? Where's the opportunity? And you ask the question, how, God, do you want me to use all this? And the next thing you know, you're a purposed person. And the stress and anxiety, I promise you, drops. So a couple of things I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you, to, what's my next best excellent step? What is your next best excellent step? Maybe something's already rumbling inside you, thinking about how can I create? How can I give what I have, offer it to the world? What is it I'm fired up about that I'm good at, that there is an opportunity there to do? And it's probably already where you are. I don't think God wants you to just t torch everything you're doing and go start everything new. I don't think it's that. But my guess is thinking differently about the relationships you already have is probably 50% plus of the next step for you. That's what I'm guessing. I'm thinking about how we can do this in our homes. So it's my, my question to you is how can you maybe take a next best excellent step to ask God the question, how do you want me to use this? And think about it in your homes. Think about perhaps your home could be a place with you could increase the sense of safety and hospitality. Raise the level, raise the bar there. When Kathy and I were raising our boys, I, was, I didn't have this thought through carefully enough, and I was worried about my grass. And I didn't want them out in the yard tearing up my grass. Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life? I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I'm, I'm just, hey, full disclosure. I was worried about the grass. She's laughing at me because she knows. Well, 
can you believe I was worried about my turf? Now, guess what? Both of my boys are worried about their turf. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know whether they are or not. But I really can remember going, no, nah, I don't want them to do that because they're going to tear up the grass. No, I want 50 kids in my front yard tearing up the grass. That's, that's a hospitable, safe home. Some of you know that already. I did not know it. Hospitality also means when people come to see you, they just feel relaxed and welcomed. Man, there's so many people just need a place to go where they can not worry about anything and certainly not worry about what you're thinking about. And they just sit down, put their feet up, take a deep breath. That's the way it is on my back porch when football games I want to watch are happening, by the way. I just want you to know that. We're, we're relaxed. The feet are up. It's chill. We just go. Workplace. How can you think about what the next best step might be where you work? And if you work at home, fine. If you work and somebody's giving you a check for working, what's a way that you could think, what am I good at? What's kind of exciting to me right now? And, and is there an opportunity here for me to move the needle a little bit in a way that I think God wants me to? And it's probably relational. It's probably, it could be, oftentimes it could be relational. Sometimes you, you really show God off when you are really good at what you do. You're God's masterpiece, poema, workmanship. And when you do what God made you to do, whatever your talent or your professional life is, when you do it really well, the best you can, and people see you hustling, oh, that's, that's a shining a light, a bright light. So it may be that, but it may be just how we treat people. So workplace may be the thing. And the third thing, I it's really kind of a different one. The third thing is just talk about pace. What's my next best step? And I think pace might be something that you can relate to. Man, for me, tap the brakes. Who do I think I am? This past week, somehow, without me planning, and it wasn't intentional, it wasn't a rhythm of renewal, I had sort of a low week. <sighs> this week coming, not so much. <laughs> but last week, I, didn't, I stumbled into it, and I realized, wait a minute, I don't have a bunch on me. Now, I could have put a bunch on me. There's many really cool things that I could be doing, but it was not all stuck, stacked up in there. And so I, what happened is I seized the day. I played golf on Friday. It was fun. Um, here's what I want you to know I did. I did what I do. You, most people don't want to do what I do. I read some stuff. I wrestled with some really big ideas about the authority of the Bible. And I have this person I love, and I, read, I just sat down with a book and read these big ideas. And I taught about the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, and the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and just chewed on it. Pace. Slow down. Though One person who's not in the room, David Maddox, he had, a, he had a coach, sort of a life coach, tell him that we need to leave 15 to 20% of our schedule open so we can be creative. Are you kidding me? But that's what happened this week. It was a gift. And when I realized what had happened, I seized it because I already knew what I was going to be doing. <laughs> and, and so pace. I was sitting, however, in the middle of this week where it was kind of slow. I was sitting with Kathy, and she was wanting to have a nice conversation with me. And I had my iPad out, iPad out and I was checking weather. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she, she'll say, yeah, you, your devices. And she doesn't like me and my devices. And so what happens with my, me and my devices is I start sprinting. And then I'm trying to keep up. And then I go, oh, God, I missed that one. Oh, I got to read that. Pace. Your next best step may be to on purpose decide that you're going to put a little margin 
in your day or your week and allow yourself to use it in a way that might end up being creative in the, in the kind of colloquial sense. Something that you wouldn't have had time to even let bubble up may come up. And that's what happened to me this week. I have some time to just let it all sit down and then do a couple of things I really love. And the next thing I know, I'm feeling good. Anxiety, stress, whoosh, purpose, and a sense of peace rise. Well, what are you good at? What do you love doing? Where can you go and do the, what you love doing? By asking the question, God, how do you want me to use it? What's the next best, simple, clear step that you can take in order to move that needle and find yourself a little further in to God's will for your life and God's purposes in the great big planet? Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we want to be your people. We want to live your will for our lives. For me, it's hard because I often just do what I want to do. And I'm not a bad person. I don't even know that I'm just doing what I want to do and learning how to stop and go, wait a minute, what do you want me to do with it? It's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to learn how to get good at, gracious God, but I, I admit that, but I'll try it. And I bet I'm not alone. I bet others don't quite know how to do that. Gracious God, we want to be your people. We, we refuse to think that we don't have skills and abilities. You made us. We are your poema, your handiwork your masterpiece. Help us to joyfully, humbly, lovingly figure out what we are good at and what we love doing and help us to go do it. Thank you, gracious God, that you don't leave any one of us out. This is, everybody gets to play in this game. All of this in the name of Jesus who made us and who loves us. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and sing and we're going to do, we're going to do one more something of something.